Hi, welcome to episode eight of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gallo and I will be talking about this week's move below 124 the figure in Dollar Canada and some of its implications for corporate Canada. To get a bit more perspective on this issue, we will be talking with Brad Schroeder, an FX sales specialist who works with Canadian corporations of various sizes across many industries. The title for this episode is Sticker Shock in Dollar Canada. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. So here we are. It's the 27th of April. We're rolling through Q2 now. A couple of things to point out here, or a few things to point out. It looked like things were getting a little bit wobbly the beginning of last week in risk appetite variables, but the end of the week, things seem to end on a firmer footing. And then just yesterday, I noticed that the MSCI World Index hit a new high for the cycle. Uh, very interestingly, copper hit a, another high for the cycle and also a 10-year high. And then into this mix, we've got to toss in dollar CAD. Definitely some interesting price action there, which I know you're going to comment on, Greg. We dipped back into the 123s again for the second time this cycle. I guess in a sense, we shouldn't be overly shocked uh, because we know commodity prices and risk appetite variables are the top dollar CAD drivers right now. So I guess I have to ask you, is risk appetite the main, uh, is what's in the driver's seat here, Greg? I'm going to say yes to that, Stephen, but I also feel like I need to kill a false narrative first. That false narrative is that a massively hawkish Bank of Canada triggered the CAD rally, or is at least is primarily responsible for the CAD rally. Because of noise in the U.S. dollar, the best way to identify central bank effects is to look at crosses. For CAD, I like to look at the EuroCAD and Aussie CAD crosses. In EuroCAD, we were trading flattish between 149.50 and 150.50 week before last. Then, on Monday of last week, a competitor bank published a report saying that the risk of the Bank of Canada not tapering QE was bigger than the market had priced in. This report helped drive Euro Canada from 149.60 on Monday's open up to, uh, let's call it 151.80, right before the BOC uh, policy announcement on Wednesday. Then the BOC did exactly what it had been signaling by tapering QE from $4 billion a week to $3 billion, and upgrading its forecasts to basically reflect reality. This did trigger an immediate collapse in Euro-Canada from 151.80 back down to 149.90. But look, that simply put us right back to where we were at the start of the week. And now here we are almost a week later, and we're at 149.80-ish in that cross. So basically, we haven't done anything in Euro-Canada since the BOC. And I could go through a similar spiel on Aussie-Canada, but I think I'll spare you. 
my bottom line is that, Stephen, you, you nailed it. The primary drivers for Dollar Canada moving below 124 are global equities and commodity prices, not some giant Bank of Canada surprise. Very well said, Greg, and I'm really glad we got that cleared up. I think my next question would be related to the issue of pain points in Dollar CAD. I probably should mention first that we dipped to a 123 handle earlier this year. So my question is, the fact that we've been here before, does it make it any easier for various segments of the market to absorb? For the most part, I think the leveraged investor community is able to absorb the move because IMM data showed they were slightly short dollar Canada heading into the move from the 126 handle down to the 123 handle. For real money Canadian investors uh, and especially equity holders, yes, the dollar Canada move lower hurts them, but at the same time, U.S. equities have rallied enough that there is an offset. So I'm going to say that the real money segment can swallow this move without a hiccup. But the segment I'm not sure of is corporate Canada. I'm not sure they were really ready for this. Well, on that fine note, Greg, I think it would be a great idea to bring in an expert on corporate Canada at this point in the podcast. So we're going to bring in and offer a warm welcome to Brad Schroeder, who is a BMO FXL specialist working with Canadian corporations of various sizes across many industries in Canada. And I'm going to start with the first question. So Brad, the first question I want to ask you is what segments do you think of corporate Canada are the most sensitive to a big rally in the Canadian dollar? And why is that the case? Stephen and Greg, first, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, if I can share an anecdote from, uh, from a very experienced Canadian corporate executive from a few years ago, his comment with respect to big moves in the currency was essentially that he didn't care if it was going up or if it was going down, talking about the Canadian dollar. What he cared about was the, the risk management activities of his peers in that framework. And so I think I'd start there and say that the, the segments that are most at risk are really made up of industries that have long benefited from the weaker uh, Canadian dollar in general. And so there I'm talking about your small to medium-sized Canadian exporters that generally wouldn't hedge out either this term uh, or even at all under the belief that the Canadian dollar will net-net always generally be weaker against its U.S. peer. The specific industries where we're seeing uh, some sensitivity around uh, a very rapidly appreciating Canadian dollar would definitely be resource-based. I would say the mining space, for example, um, is, is an area where they take a long-term view of risk management with respect to currency. The forestry sector um, has exposure there, although over the years as they, as they have diversified into the U.S., it's becoming less so of a factor, but uh, as well small manufacturing firms and even larger manufacturing firms that, uh, generally speaking, might have some uh, difficulty forecasting cash flows due to seasonality or just due uh, to the recent slowdown uh, brought about by COVID would probably be the areas that I would say are most effective. So, Brad, do you think uh, Canadian exporters are underhedged or neutrally hedged relative to normal? On the whole, right now, most Canadian exporters would be underhedged. The budget planning process for many of the larger firms uh, takes place in the fall, and I don't think that the vast majority of risk management committees expected this sharp move uh, in the Canadian dollar. And quite frankly, 
what it's done is left them with a little bit of analysis paralysis where just when they're wrapping their heads around hedging cash flows on a 129 handle, we're suddenly trading at 127 and a half. And that cycle seems to be uh, perpetuating itself even now. So what what if the uh, belief shifted that next year, 2022, we're likely to mostly trade below 120? Is Corporate Canada uh, prepared for that? I think right now Corporate Canada is struggling with the major question that we all are as global investors, and that is, are we seeing a true paradigm shift here in global economics where commodity prices will remain firm and the Canadian dollar will benefit from a broad sector rally as opposed to just the energy sector. Right now, I would suggest that um, that path is is one that is almost a nightmare scenario and, and hence is somewhat on the back burner. We have been seeing some of the more experienced names begin to lower their budgets uh, and, and protect themselves accordingly primarily by use of uh, FX option structures that allow them to participate should we see uh, an occasional turnaround. And Brad, I'm wondering if we could take a little bit more of a broader perspective. If I were to ask you what you think some of the more important non-US dollar CAD cross rates are for Canadian corporates, and is there, do you think, a particular currency cross where corporates may be under or overhedged against CAD appreciation? That's a good question, Stephen. We've seen over the past few years a number of Canadian firms very active uh, from an M&A standpoint into Europe uh, and the UK. I would say when it comes to EuroCAD, it's primarily left-hand side flows, so Canadian corporates bringing back uh, Euro-denominated revenues. And in industries where I would call them commanding heights industries, you're seeing uh, essentially a fair amount of Euro cash flows hedged out into the market. Sterling is a little bit of a different story. Again, same hand side as, as the cash flows, left hand side. But due to the Brexit ambiguity, a number of entities um, decided to take no action for fear of making a mistake as far as that macro picture developed. The other important cross I would suggest uh, that is on the minds of Canadian firms is uh, CAD yen. Canadian companies, especially in the agriculture and food products, um, export heavily into Japan. And generally speaking, those cash flows are not hedged because Canadian firms are so tied to the underlying commodity price as well, and they view that as a bit of an offset. So um, those would be my three major CAD crosses where I would say there's the most activity. And to be fair, if I had to lump them all into a, are we overhedged or underhedged, the vast majority would be underhedged. We thank you, Brad, for uh, coming with us on on the podcast and look forward to bringing you back uh, some way in the future. Thanks again for having me and best of luck with uh, with the podcast, guys. It's a great job. Thank you. Really good stuff from Brad. I'm glad we had him on. One thing that surprises me a bit from his answers is that he didn't mention uh, a Canada-China cross in his top three. But I guess maybe Canadian firms transact with China in U.S. dollars, so there isn't much exposure. But I do have to note that uh, CAD strength and RMB strength have gone hand in hand over the past few days. With dollar RMB below 650, what are your latest thoughts there, Stephen? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, Greg, on your great question is that CAD CNH hasn't really moved all that much. And, and that suggests that the one to one and a half move lower we've seen in dollar RMB is predominantly a dollar driven move. 
Okay, so that's the first thing. The second key factor is that the CFX, CFET CNY index is just drifting sideways. So there isn't really broad RMB appreciation taking place at the moment. And I think that reflects the macro backdrop in China. In other words, the central bank has been uh, tempering the credit cycle, also known as normalizing policy. I guess the main point I want to make here is that a break of 645 on the downside in dollar CNH is possible with just a weak dollar on its own, but the going will probably be tougher in the absence of a strong RMB and a weak dollar working in tandem with one another. So going forward, I think that probably we could do much worse than uh, come up with a few signals that that are worth looking at to try and um, work out what the next move is going to be in uh, in in dollar RMB. I think first and foremost, I don't think we're going to see significant RMB appreciation until equity markets in China firm up uh, on a on a on a consistent basis. Secondly, if we start to see interest rate differentials moving steadily in favor of the RMB again, that may be a signal that China is reopening itself to. Uh, more capital inflows again. So that would probably be another indicator of RMB appreciation in the works. And thirdly and finally, I, I think we need to see the CFETS index convincingly back above 97 and 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 staying there and indicative of the fact that um, the RMB is, is appreciating on a broad basis. I think we should probably wrap it there. Thank you, listeners, for your time and attention. We normally podcast on Tuesdays, but next Tuesday, Stephen and I will be tied up with a panel that is part of BMO's Global Reserve and Asset Managers Conference. Then the following Tuesday, we will do our joint Macro Horizons podcast with our colleagues in U.S. and Canadian rates. So we will be back with our Global Exchanges FX podcast in three weeks' time on Tuesday, May 18th. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. 
Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. FEMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause FEMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. FEMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. FEMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and FEMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. FEMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.